0: you'd open your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 26, that's what we'll be looking into this morning, Matthew chapter 26. Before we begin, let's bow together in prayer. Our Father, we come into your awesome and holy presence, daring only come, for your throne of grace in the person of our Lord Jesus Christ, pleading his blood as the remission of our sins, pleading his obedience as our only righteousness. And Father, we come a thankful people, how thankful we are for our Lord Jesus Christ, redemption in him that's full and free, that is completely finished by him and given to us as a free gift of His grace. Father, how thankful we are. How thankful we are that we can come into Your presence boldly, confidently, because of who the Lord Jesus Christ is. That our praise and our thanksgiving and our petitions can all be heard before the throne of Almighty God in the person of our our Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior, our King, our Mediator. Father, we're thankful. And Father, I... Beg of you that you would enable us to exalt and lift up the name of the Lord Jesus Christ this morning. Everything that is said and done here, let that be our hearts concerned to exalt the Savior. That we would exalt His name as it ought to be exalted, and His name would be exalted, and that you would give us faith that we might see Him and worship. That you'd cause us in the heart to bow and to worship and to believe in our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we're thankful that you've given us this place and this opportunity to worship. Pray that you would protect it for many, many years to come, for future generations, that this might be a place where sinners can come and hear of the Savior. Father, it's what we pray for ourselves. We pray for your people everywhere as they meet together today, that, that you'd bless your word, that you'd cause it to go forth in power, to reach the hearts of your people and accomplish the purpose whereunto you sent it. In this dark and difficult day that's full of so much unbelief and false religion, Father, we pray you'd show us your glory, your redemptive glory in redeeming your people by the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ. For it's in his precious name, in his name and for his sake we pray. Amen. Now I've titled our lesson this morning, Peter's Fall. And I hope we can learn some very important lesson for our souls from this text this morning. It begins in verse 69. Let me read the text and we'll come back and make a few comments. Matthew chapter 26, verse 69. Now Peter sat without in the palace, and a damsel came unto him, saying, Thou also was with Jesus of Galilee. But he denied before them all saying, I know not what thou sayest. And when he was gone out into the porch, another maid saw him and said unto them that were there, this fellow also was with Jesus of Nazareth. And again, he denied with an oath, I do not know the man. And after a while came unto him they that stood by and said to Peter, surely thou also art one of them, for thy speech betrayeth thee. Then began he to curse and to swear, saying, I know not the man. And immediately the cock crew. And Peter remembered the word of Jesus, which said unto him, Before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And he went out and wept bitterly. Now, this is a, a very sad story, doesn't it? This is a sad story. But this story also shows us God's saving grace to his people. And that's what I hope we'll see this morning. And the first lesson I want us to take from from this, what we call Peter's fall, his denial of the Savior. First thing I want us to see is the truth of the scripture. Now we know this. Every word of the Bible is true. It's true because it's the word of God who cannot lie. Now the Holy Spirit moved different men to write what God said. They didn't write what they wanted to write. The Spirit moved them to write what God said. So this is not the words of men. This is the word of God. And that makes every word of it true. This word is the truth. And the message, all the the Bible has one message. The message of the Bible is that the Lord Jesus Christ is a savior of sinful people. That the father chose to save. That's what every page of this book tells us. And the passage we just read shows that if we'll stop and think about it for a minute, it shows us that Christ came to save sinners. Now consider for a minute who it was that fell here and and denied the Savior. It's Peter. Peter is one of the 12 hand-picked men, hand-picked by the Lord to be his apostles, to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Peter's one of them. Peter was chosen to be a child of God. He was chosen to be a preacher of the scriptures. He was chosen to be a writer of the scriptures. Peter was a man. Now, I know he denied the Lord here, but you also know this about Peter. Peter loved the Lord. He believed him. He, Peter was a, he believed the Lord with all of his heart. He was a man of great faith. He was a man of very strong conviction and a man of great zeal. Peter's zeal often burned very hot, didn't it? Peter was a man who was greatly blessed of God. He was with the Savior for three years, hearing him speak face to face for every day for three years. Peter is a child of God who's accepted by the Father in Christ Jesus. Peter right now is in glory. Yet Peter still fell, and tonight he even knew who the Lord Jesus was. <laughs> and it seems like he did it under no direct threat I mean to the people that come to him here it says they're damsels young women I mean who had no power or authority over Peter whatsoever and he still denied the Savior you know the best way to describe Peter is the same way to describe each, each, each of us each believer we're sinners sinners who are saved by grace God may have been pleased to save us. He may have been pleased to reveal his son to us and in us. But I'm telling you, as long as we're in this flesh, we'll be sinners. And the highest station we'll ever rise to in this life is a sinner who's saved by grace. A sinner who is weak and frail and prone to falling into sin. And a lot of the writers talk about this. Henry used to say this too. I believe it's true. That the scriptures are the only book. It's the only book, if you read biographies and different things, it's the only book that exposes the faults of its main characters. You know, usually if you write a biography about a man, you know, is whatever faults are there, either hidden or glossed over, you know. But the scriptures don't do that. The scriptures don't hide the faults. For the sins of Adam, Noah, of Abraham, Jacob, Samson, David, Solomon, Ezekiel, Peter, James, and John, the scriptures make no effort to hide their failures and their their weakness and and their sin. And the scriptures are plain and pointing this out, pointing out the sins and failures of these men and women we would call great believers so that we'll know God saves sinners. If the, if the scripture hid this, you know, Peter's fault, his, his, he was, uh, well, you, I mean, he was just, he would just pop off at any moment. He'd just act on anger and emotion and the, these different things. If the scripture hid that from us, and then we act that way, we'd think, well, I can't be saved. Now, we read here about Peter. We read about David's fall. We read about Jacob. We read about these. And that that, we're not looking to that as an excuse to sin. No believer is looking for an excuse to sin. But when we see that, we see God saves sinners. That means there's hope for me. That means there's hope for me. God saves sinners who are real, genuine, lost, hopeless sinners. That's why the Savior came, to save real sinners. He came to save sinners who can only be saved by the power and grace of God. We're so weak, we have no works we can offer whatsoever. Saved completely by the work and grace of our, of our Savior. And like I said a minute ago, no believer is ever going to rise over that station. A sinner saved by grace. A sinner who is completely dependent on Christ. I know that, you know, the scripture talks about believers as babes in Christ, young men, young women in Christ, old men, old women in Christ. I sure hope we grow, don't you, in grace and knowledge of the Savior. But here's one thing we don't do. We never grow stronger in ourselves. A big part of growing in grace is growing more dependent on Christ, more dependent on him, seeing your need of Him even more clearly than you ever did before. Sinners are saved by God's grace and they're kept by the same grace. Sinners are saved by the power of God and they're only kept by that very same power, the power of God. We're never going to grow strong enough to take one step on our own. Spurgeon has a quote, I've read it and then I've heard it several times recently. Spurgeon said, If I was brought right, my toes just right to the threshold, and all I had to do was step in. We're completely dependent. And I hope we remember this. We who believe we're not better than anybody anywhere. We're cut from the exact same cloth. The message of scripture is we're so weak and we're so frail. We're always dependent on God. And I like it that way. Don't you? I know I'm not dependable. But God is. I like being dependent on him. And if the Lord will give us that attitude, I'll tell you what. It'll keep us worshiping him. Because we're dependent on him. All right, number two. Now God's word is is, is true. And the second thing is God's word is full of warnings. Someone guess I, I think it was your dad. I think it was Jeff Thornberry first said this. That God's word hedges us about on both sides.
1: On one side, he hedges
0: us about with the precious promises of God. Lest we despair. On the other side, he hedges us about with the judgments of God. Lest we presume lest we presume on his mercy and on his grace. And both those precious promises, both these hedges, the precious promises of God's grace and the, the warnings of God's judgment, both of them are just as real. They are. And the Lord, he warned Peter. Peter didn't go into this without any warning. The Lord warned Peter about this fall. He said, Peter, you're going to deny me, deny me three times while the rooster crows more. And Peter was too proud and too self-confident to listen. The Lord asked Peter. Mary took Peter and James and John there in Gethsemane. He said, Peter, watch and pray with me. My soul is exceeding troubled, even unto death. The Savior was the the weight and the burden and this awesome thing he was getting ready to do to be made sin and suffer for for God's people was causing him so much agony, he thought he was going to die before he ever got to the cross. And he said, Peter, watch and pray with me. And what did Peter do? He fell asleep. And the Lord came back and said, watch and pray lest you fall into temptation. What did Peter do? He fell asleep. (laughs) The Lord Lord warned Peter, Peter, you're going to deny me three times before the cock crows. The Lord warned Peter, Satan has desired you. Now that ought to get our attention, buddy. Satan has desired you to sift you as wheat. This is not going to be hard for Satan to do. To sift Peter or us, to sift us as wheat. And what did Peter do? He still followed the Lord afar off. And then he went into the place where Satan was working. In the house of the high priest in this fake mock trial of the Savior. And once he got in there, what did he do? He sat with the enemies of Christ around a fire, warming himself. Peter didn't do one thing to avoid the fall the Lord warned him about. He was warned, wasn't he? And look over here, Mark 14. I had never seen this before. Peter got another warning. Mark 16, verse 66. And as Peter was beneath in the palace, there cometh one of the maids of the high priest. And when she saw Peter warming himself, she looked upon him and said, and thou also was with Jesus of Nazareth. But he denied, saying, I know not, neither understand what thou sayest. And he went out into the porch, and the cock crew. The cock gave him a warning. And after the cock crew, it never dawned on Peter's mind. This is a warning. This is but he never dawned on him what the Lord said, and he denied him two more times before the cock crew again. Peter was warned, wasn't he? (laughs) Peter was warned. Now I said all that to say this, not being hard on Peter whatsoever. If any of us cannot understand what Peter's doing here. We're lying to ourselves by who we are. We ought to all of us be able to understand what Peter's doing here. And I hope that we'll take close heed to the many warnings of God's word. And just in case you're wondering, the warnings of God's word are not, believer, keep my law, or I'm going to get you. It's not we're not talking about the law here. God's word is filled with many warnings to God's people. And the only reason we won't take heed to them and pray, Lord, deliver me from this. Keep me from this. The only reason we won't won't do whatever it is we can do to avoid them is we're too proud and too self-confident, just like Peter was. God's word is full of warnings about the damning nature of self-righteousness and false religion. Isn't it? So many. The, the, the scripture warns us about false gospels. The scripture warns us about those who would try to tear us away from Christ. Do we stay away from them? Or do we think eh they won't suck me in? Are we really careful to guard against this you know we're not gonna be able to stop self righteousness from coming up in our heart, because that's the nature of this flesh. Are we really careful about that? Do do we start thinking, well, you know, I don't just attend service on Sunday morning. I I, I attend the Bible class. And then I attend Wednesday night. Oh, I I read my Bible. I I listen to a message on sermon audio, you know, go through the week. That adding to our righteousness now? If we we do that, we become proud of it and think we're... Now guard against that, that self-righteousness is damning. We're going to trust Christ. We've got to trust Him and Him alone. We're warned in Scripture about absenting ourselves from the public worship of God, and we're warned about our attitude. And this is what uh, I wish I could get a, get across to some folks. It's not just that we're doing the right thing; that we're that we're given creed to the right doctrine, and we're attending a place where, where the gospel's preached. Worship is attitude. It's bowing before God with in a broken heart. God saved me, the sinner. It's an attitude, our attitude of worship, our attitude toward each other. You know, the only reason that we start picking at each other and saying, oh, you know, they shouldn't be doing that and they shouldn't be doing that is I'm not seeing all the things I shouldn't be doing. Of course, we're doing stuff we ought not be doing, we're sinners but ought not our attitude be be one of love and forgiveness and praying for one another rather than being like the Pharisees of old and judging one another looking down our noses at each other this thing of attitude and worship is, is vital and I pray that we don't fall into this uh, all these things you know that God warns us about and fall in such a painful manner as Peter did so we learn so that we learn to stay away from, learn to heed these warnings. I pray we don't begin to doubt God's word. I mean, I'm just sure of this. Peter, I mean, the Lord warned Peter, this is going to happen. And the only thing, the only conclusion I could come to is Peter just didn't believe it was going to happen. He doubted the word of God. And where did he get that from? Well, I know it happened to Eve in the garden, didn't you? Satan said, oh, you eat this fruit, you won't die. You'll be his God. And he doubted the word of God. She ate that fruit. And I just wonder if Adam, she was telling Adam, look, I ate the fruit and didn't die. Serpent ate the fruit and he didn't. Maybe Adam began to doubt God's word. I I don't know what what happened there at all. I just know, look where it leads when we doubt God's word. (laughs) You know, and if we fall into it, there's not a person here who can't say we weren't warned. Not one of. them. So Peter was warned and he still fell. Now, so far it's been kind of depressing, had not it? <laughs> now I got some good news. Peter fell, but Peter was preserved. Now how was Peter preserved? Peter fell, but he didn't perish. Peter's faith was weak, absolutely, but it didn't fail. Peter sinned, no, no, no denying it, but he wasn't cast off from God. Peter forsook the Lord. But the Lord didn't forsake him. Peter denied the Lord, denied him knew him. But our Lord did not deny Peter. You think of the grace and the eternal, unchanging love of God. The Lord saw Peter deny him. And almost immediately went to the cross and didn't deny Peter. He kept Peter's name on his breastplate and suffered and died to put his sin away. That's how Peter was preserved. Peter sinned and he did wrong and Peter suffered for it. I mean, you know, now our sin is forgiven. The sin of God's people is forgiven, but don't think there's not consequences for it. There's still consequences for this. And Peter suffered. He wept. He was broken hearted over this But Peter was preserved and he did not perish. And the only explanation for it is God's grace. Isn't it? Peter didn't hang on by a (laughs) fingernail. He was plumb gone. Except for God's grace. God saved him by his grace. You know, being saved by grace doesn't mean that we're so strong we can stand in our own and now we've gained some wisdom and you know, we can stand in our own wisdom and our own strength and our own behavior. Being saved by grace means that God keeps us by His grace. And we're not going to make excuses for our sin. None whatsoever. I hate my sin. You believe God, you do too. But our comfort is when we sin, we're saved by grace, not by sinning less. Look at Proverbs chapter 24. Proverbs chapter 24. Here's how Peter was preserved and why he didn't fall away from, from Christ. Proverbs 24, verse 16. For a just man, now uh, this is a man, he's just. He's been justified in Christ. This is talking about a saved man. A man who knows and trusts Christ. A just man falleth seven times and riseth up again. But the wicked shall fall into mischief. Now why when the righteous fall seven times do they rise up again? And why when the wicked falls into mischief do they stay there? It's because the Lord lifts the righteous up. It's not because the righteous and the just lifts himself up by his own steam. The Lord lifts him up by his power and by his grace and the wicked stays where he is because the Lord leaves him alone. It's grace. Look at Luke chapter 22. Here is another precious, precious reason that Peter fell, but he was preserved. Luke 22 verse 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired you to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen my brethren. Peter's faith didn't fail because he had an advocate with the Father. Christ the Savior was making intercession for him. That's why he is preserved. Remember when the Lord was, was teaching one day and he said, I give unto my people eternal life and they shall never perish. You know the Lord meant that. His people will never perish. He'll do all the work to save them and he'll do all the work to preserve them and bring them to glory. He won't let them fall away. And will never you know, we'll be like Peter. We're just not going to make an excuse for our sin. It's just it's just never okay to sin. I hate it when people sin and say, Well, you know, God meant for me to do it, and you know, that God's sovereign over everything. God God's gonna work it out for good. Well, I mean I have no doubt God could work it out for good, but now I'm not gonna use God's sovereignty excuse for my sin. I'm not gonna make an excuse for our sin. We'll be like Peter, we'll hate our sin. I mean, God help us, weep bitterly over it. But when we sin, our comfort is God will not cast off his people. He won't do it. He will not cast off the people which he foreknew. God's not going to punish his people for their sin because he already punished Christ our substitute for our sin. I hope we don't ever get over that. I was at the conference this week and and hearing these different brethren preach. And he didn't say anything you'd ever heard before. But the enormity of God's grace that he'd be gracious to people like us, that he would love people like us, that he'd slaughter his son in order to save people like us, that he'd punish his son so he didn't punish his people and show them mercy and grace. I hope we don't ever get over that. You know that'll make us you know, hate our sin. I don't want to sin that, that more that caused my Savior to suffer so much. But now we're going to sin. I mean, it's just true. And here's our comfort. We in any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ, the righteous. And it's him who's making intercession for his people. Just like he did for Peter. He's making intercession for each of us. Just like he did for Peter. See God saves us. By his grace. Even though we don't deserve it. He saves us. Anyway. That's grace. And God keeps us. And preserves us for the exact same reason. Anyway. In spite of us. That's reason six million eight hundred ninety-two thousand four hundred fifty-six reason, I love salvation by grace. God preserves his people anyway. Alright, here's the last thing. That Peter was preserved. He didn't fall away. God didn't cast him off. But Peter's got a problem, doesn't he? How was Peter restored? It says in our text, Peter went out and he wept bitterly. Peter was very sorry, wasn't Peter shed real tears, but Peter wasn't restored to the Savior because he was sorry and because of his tears. Being sorry is not repentance. Maybe sorrow, you know, over, over what we used to trust in, and maybe sorrow is part of repentance, but repentance is not sorrow. Repentance is turning to Christ from our idols. That's, that's, that's what is, is repentance if you're still there in Luke, look at, at verse 60. Here's what made Peter's tears even, even more bitter. Verse 60. And Peter said, man, I know not what thou sayest. And immediately while he spake, the cock crew. And the Lord turned and looked upon Peter. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he said unto him before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. Now, apparently, the Lord was, was being taken from one room to another here in the high priest's palace. Maybe they were getting ready to take him to Pilate or something. I don't know. But he was passing by where Peter was when Peter denied the Lord the third time. And the Lord turned and looked at him. Now, that was not a look of anger. It wasn't a look of judgment. It was a look of pity. It was a look of grace. It was a look of love. It was a look that said, Peter, I know you've sinned. I knew it before you knew it. But I'm going to go suffer for your sin. Peter, I'm going to suffer being cut off from the Father so you won't be cut off for your sin. It was a look that said, Peter, Peter, I love you. That's not going to change. I've chosen you. I've promised I will never leave you or forsake you. And I won't. I won't forsake you because my blood's going to blot out all your sin. The Father's not going to cast you off because my blood's going to blot it out and take away any reason that my Father would cast you off. I'm going to shed my blood to make it happen. Peter, I know you've sinned but your righteousness is not your action. I'm your righteousness. Peter, you denied me, but I'm not going to deny you because I love you and I'm getting ready to show you. Greater love hath no man than this that a man lay down his life for his friends. Peter, you denied me. You and me are still friends because of me. And I'm going to lay down my life to put your sin away. He proved it, didn't he? Having loved his own, he loved them to the end. He went to the cross willingly. Peter was not cast off because the Lord does not change. I change not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. (laughs) The look from the Savior, the Savior that Peter trusted, the Savior that, that Peter loved. Oh my, that must have broken his heart in pieces. Don't you reckon? And Peter went out and wept bitterly. But Peter's tears didn't restore him, did they? Peter fell, but now the Lord's going to lift him back up in grace. And when is it that Peter's going to repent? Turn to the Lord. See, repentance is not a one-time thing, is it? This flesh is constantly trying to bring us into captivity to the to the law and and to, to worship our good works and our obedience. And, our, and we're constantly turning. Repentance is a constant thing. We're turning to Christ. Peter said, To whom coming? To whom come, constantly coming to Christ. Constantly turning to him. You know, when Peter repented and turned to the Lord, when was he restored? After the Lord's resurrection, what did the Lord do? He appeared to the disciples as he said. He told the ladies at the womb, at the tomb, you go tell my disciples and Peter, I'll appear to you. And he did. Peter saw him. Remember, he's out there in that boat and he saw the Lord on the shore. He said, it's the Lord. And he just jumped. Peter he hadn't changed. Hey, he just jumped in the sea and started swimming to <laughs> And the same thing is true, you and me today. We hate our sin, right? I, hate our sin, it causes the Lord so much suffering, it brings us so much shame, doesn't it? Sin is all we do. And the Lord continually keeps his people by his grace. And you know how he keeps turning us to him? By revealing himself through the preached word. (laughs) He's not going to appear to us bodily, but the eye of faith in the preaching of the gospel sees Christ just as clearly as Peter saw him on that shore. And it makes us say, it's the Lord. I've heard old, old time preachers say often, sink or swim. I'm going to go to him. And we sing, we say it's the Lord. That's where like Peter just jump in the ocean, ask questions later, you know. I'm going to the Lord. We'll do that when he reveals himself to us through the preaching of the word. All right. I hope the Lord bless that to you.